Thank you for joining us today for another. Uh, thanks for joining us today for another edition of Gospel Nobodies. Uh, my name is David Pinckney, and uh, I uh, pastor the River of Grace Church in Concord, New Hampshire. Also, a, the strategist for Acts 29's um, Rural Collective, which is a, a a part of Churches in Hard Places. Our commitment as a network to see churches planted in in obscure, difficult, poor, forgotten places. And uh, this podcast is meant to encourage faithful and joyful uh, planting of churches in these obscure places for the fame of Christ. So thank you for joining us. And if you want to see more editions of these, we, uh, you can find them on our um, Rural Collective Facebook page. Today, my guest is Harrison Kwok. Harrison is uh, in, uh, yeah, Yukon, Canada. Thank you for joining us, Harrison. Yeah, thanks for letting me be here. Yeah, so... Uh, Harrison, uh, I've got to just basically ask him some questions uh, to so you can hear his story. And I'm really excited about um, the topic of uh, what does it look like for us to consider the cultural dynamics as we think about planting churches. So, uh, Harrison, tell us a little bit about yourself, like your rescue story. How did Jesus uh, come to you and rescue you? Sure. Um, my parents are from Hong Kong and they immigrated here about 50 years ago. So I was born in Whitehorse, Yukon. Um, my sister and I were both born here. So growing up, I kind of had a uh, Chinese spirituality superstition. Um, it didn't really play out in day-to-day -day life. If there are big events, like I was going off to university or we're opening up a new business or something, you would, uh, you would pray to this uh, warlord. He was a real, real general and you would, you would pray to him and you'd offer um, chicken to him and wine and, and oranges and things like that. And I didn't really have any encounter with any other faith. And I didn't know anything about any other faith. Um, a lot of my friends went to a Catholic high school and even they didn't really understand Catholicism. I knew a little bit from TV evangelists, but other than that, I kind of did my own thing. Um, 2009, I go to school at the University of Victoria and a good friend of there uh, came to know Christ and he shared the gospel with me for the first time. And Wow. Him and I, we grew up together. We grew up in White Horse, and then we went to the University of Victoria together. And he had this dramatic change, which I just could not ignore. And mm. yet he he had this change, and he'd tell me about the gospel. I'd go to church with him sometimes. I'd go to, you know, introductory Christian courses like Alpha. And um, I actually was quite opposed to this message, and uh, I became a staunch atheist, and I started studying guys like Sam Harris, uh, Hitchens and Dawkins and Hawkins. And was like, oh, Christianity is just a wild joke. Uh, my friend's been brainwashed, so I need to rescue him. And in this great <laughs> rescue plan that I had, as I'm studying the Old Testament and the New Testament, talking with other Christians, going to churches and talking to pastors, um, I found myself being deeply compelled, not only by the message, but by the historicity the archaeology, the philosophy, the anthropology, the theology, it was just a very reasonable faith. And so I kind of had this moment in 2009, maybe it was in the springtime, I went to my bed um, and I prayed for the first time, like sincerely was like, God, if you're real, you need to show yourself to me, like you have my friend. If not, I'll continue to hate you and, and your followers. And I, I crossed like this because I saw it on TV. Okay. I thought maybe the roof of my house was going to rip off or the hand of God was going to come into me. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but nothing profound like that happened. But right after that, 
as I'm reading the Bible and I start to go to church now, um, I'm realizing that this is giving me life and the heart of stone that I had is gone. The things I used to desire, which was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I no, no longer wanted these things. And I knew that sex was designed for marriage and I wanted to follow God and glorify him. And so I gave my life to Christ when he found me in 2009. I met my wife a few months later at a Tim Hortons, which is like a local coffee shop. And then good um, donuts, right? Good donuts. Do, good donuts. Good coffee. It's like an, it's like a Canadian institution. Like, yeah, that's what I understand. We are founded on Tim Hortons. And so I met my wife and we, we moved to the Yukon, got plugged into a church. Uh, we have three kids now and, um, yeah, four years four years ago we planted the Northern Collective, which is so yeah, that's city. a second part of the story, Harrison. Like you went from being a God hater to loving Jesus, and then moving back home. And what was the like call call to plant a church? Yeah, the call to plant was uh, I, I never thought I would be a pastor or or anything like that. I was plugged into a local church and served in different capacities, working with the youth, uh, missions and outreach and things like that. And um, I eventually enrolled in a master's in biblical and theological studies through um, Knox Theological Seminary there in Florida. And uh, one of the first courses I took was a church planting course. I didn't know anything about church planting. I didn't really know what it meant. And uh, my professor was Dr. Terry Geiger. And he's associated with Tim Keller, um, city to city yeah the church planting manual he he did a lot of that work and he was one of the guys that convinced tim keller to move to new york city and so his like opening statement of the class was church planting is not optional it is inherent in the great commission it is inherent in everything we see wow the church yeah. is god's plan a in rescuing and redeeming the world to himself and i was deeply compelled i'm like brushing my teeth that night I'm like talking to my wife, I was like, I think God is calling us to plant the church and I can't see a biblical rationale to get out of this. And so we started a small group in our house, you know, eight, eight people became 12 and it just grew from there. We launched into a public space um, in our sending church, um, Mountain View Church. This is, yeah, three or four years ago now. And then it just, it just continued to grow from there. And um, we're just excited to see what God's doing in, in the that's so cool. Uh, give a little. So what's what's uh, Whitehorse like? Uh, and I, I think it's important. Guys know you have a little side gig. You have a bivocational uh, side to you. And you're also working on your is it your doctorate? Yeah. 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 So tell us a little bit about that before we actually go into the, the big question before us. Yeah. Whitehorse. If you're listening, Google Whitehorse and just look at pictures. Once you see it, you want to come. The mountains are beautiful. The lakes and rivers are pristine animals hiking climbing it's just it's and arts i hear there's all sorts of arts you tell yeah, me that tons yeah. of arts yeah tons of arts whether you want to be a professional hip-hop dancer like my sister or um any other anything uh there's a lot of funding for arts and you sound, Yukon, like, you, sound like you work for the tourism as well yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yukon is pretty small all of the yukon about forty-five thousand people and the city I live in is about, uh, man, I should have researched my numbers here. 30, about 30,000 in, in Whitehorse proper, the capital city. Yeah. And so Whitehorse is surrounded by 19 rural communities ranging from like maybe over a dozen people to 2000. 
And there's these 19 communities surrounding Whitehorse and Whitehorse is the hub. You know, the major airport is here, the hospital, the sports, groceries, like everybody comes into Whitehorse and then you can go back to your uh, communities. And many of these communities don't have a church. Yukon is actually one of the most secular places in all of Canada. Uh, it's very liberal, uh, people very independent. Um, church doesn't have a good history. In Canada, there's, you can look it up, residential schools. It's, it's this relationship the government and the church had in, in trying to destroy the indigenous First Nations culture. Um, and it was just, it was just a mess and it's, it's tainted that, that church legacy. A lot of people are pretty disenfranchised and hostile to the church because of this very recent history of these church run schools that, um, some were, some were good teachers. Some yeah. Yeah. Were good. Um, but there's a lot of horrendous things that happened that, um, it's still coming out today. This children yeah. are still missing and. You, yeah. you shared about a bunch of that with me, which was just so revealing. I, uh, I'm just ignorant, you know, white guy from New England knows nothing about how the First Nation people were treated in much of Canada. Um, oh, well, not just Canada, but um, before we get there, though, just I'm, 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 you're, you're planning a church. You have three little kids. You pastor. Uh, I mean, yeah, planted pastor your father, three little kids, you're working on a doctorate degree and you have a, a little side gig. What, what is it? Uh, managing, managing property. property. Yeah. Property property management. Management. Yeah. Yeah. You take a day off. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good. I like to take Fridays off. So tomorrow will be my day off and then me too, day. buddy. Yeah. 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 So my, yeah. Is actually a holiday in the Yukon. It's called heritage day. And uh, we're going to go see the snow carvings and me and my uh, five-year-old daughter, we're going to get, do these little competitions you can like throw logs and you're going to pack flour on your back and yeah it'll be fun oh fun oh fun so um you, you mentioned these residential schools and you mentioned the first nation and and, and all these not you said 19 communities around uh white horse mm -hmm. and many of them don't have churches at all but then there's this uh, the residential schools you had said were an attempt by um uh the government to re-educate uh, First Nation people, right? Is that right? Yeah, I think, I think some would sell it that way. It was about re-education, um, but there is an official statement in their document. It was to kill the Indian in the child. Wow. And then on top of that, on top of that horrendous, because uh, Jesus loves culture, right? Uh, right. He, he, he doesn't destroy culture. He liberates it from its brokenness. But on top of that, then there was the church was hired to kind of do this. And then there's this, this level of abuse, which we're kind of somewhat familiar with in, in certain wings of the church, but it was, it was less a significant scar. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's left people quite jaded. Um, the, the aftermath of it is you can see it today in incarceration and mental health and abuse, violence, things like that. So, so go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Yukon um, it's a, it's a quarter first nation. And 70%, 75% of that quarter live in the city where I, where I live, where, okay. where I was born. So in other places in Canada, you might not encounter Aboriginal, Indigenous, First Nations people, but in the Yukon, um, you will. And not everyone's not doing well. We got, you know, CEOs of companies, some are very affluent and influential, uh, but there is that dynamic, which we have to navigate as, as Christians, it's just an, a history that we've inherited. So we have to bring the gospel and the truth of that into 
these relationships. Yeah, so now with the Northern Collective Church launched and, 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 and gaining momentum, and you're looking at these places, these rural places that don't have a gospel witness, uh, as we were talking, and I thought this was really, you know, that the, that the cultural dynamics of these villages uh, require a real both sensitivity and a spirit-directed work. Um, tell me a little bit about, you talked about a couple of the, the villages or, or uh, that you were, you were, I don't know what it's called, targeting, but, but leaning into. You had contacts there. I think it was a property scenario. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God is, has just, he's doing his thing and we get to be a part of it. And uh, he has given us opportunities to work with three, three communities. Uh, one is Pelly Crossing, which is three hours north of us, maybe three and a half hours. Um, there's, a, there's two communities south of us. Um, Tagus, which is 300 people. There's no church there um it's about it's about an hour south of us uh and then car cross um there's there's a couple in our church that could potentially um take over a, a recent church plant there uh the pastor and his wife have done great work over the last five years and they're just kind of thinking of transitioning in their life and and we're just we're just trying to be slow and sensitive to what's going on how god is leading building relationships is huge and in car cross we yeah there's there's property there and it would it would be great to um to build a a, a place for the pastors to live uh in the future so we're just we're just checking out the possibilities having conversations and but yeah we have three opportunities to continue to make disciples in these communities and to see churches planted and two of them have no church there's a church plant in car cross Tagish and pelly have no church yeah wow and I love the way you framed that, uh, you know, just joining Jesus and what Jesus is doing, right? And 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 the slow approach. I, I think, I think uh, I don't know, you, you know, the, the idea that we want to get things done quickly is, I think, sometimes it's counterproductive uh, to what Jesus often does, right? And uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, what, as you think about uh, some of the some of the challenges you face with um, with looking at these rural communities, are there lessons you've already learned or things, questions you're asking, um, or are there things that you are um, surprised by that, that um, you know, as, as you, your heart's gotten large towards these places, you've been surprised by? Yeah, I think, um, I think each community is different, just like each person is different. Um, in the Yukon though, these communities are First Nations communities. Okay. So there's a, there's a level of, you know, what's called protocol in which we have to um, respect, uh, you, you know, you just don't show up and build, build on First Nations land. Um, it might be a good idea to talk to the chief and the council there, the, the kind of leaders of this, of this community. Um, we kind of operate through invitation. If, if we're invited by people who are there, um, that, that's great. We don't want to just show up with no social capital. Um, people do do that, um, and sometimes it has worked. But for us, we're just we're operating on the relationships that are there and building on that, and looking for uh, people who are open and welcoming, like you know, people of peace. And um, you know, more often than not, the the wider community, even if they're not Christian, they see the value of church. And so, one of the communities, like even a, a non-Christian person, like it would just be great to have a church here. They don't have a full understanding of what that means, but they know that it is actually good for society. So, you know, we'll, we'll take that. And yeah. um, 
Lord willing, this summer we'll spend some time in, in Pelly Crossing, maybe for a week, go camping there. Um, my wife cuts hair uh, as a professional hairstylist, and the community invited her to, to cut the entire community's hair. And we'll just spend time there. I'll bring my kids, we'll go camping, and we'll, we'll see how that uh, unfolds. And what's the population of that particular place? Uh, Pelly is 300, about wow. 300. Yeah. 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 That's exciting. Um, what keeps you up at night as you think about these places? Well, keeps me up, well my kids keep me up at night. That's for okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, five, um, three, and uh, two? Five, three, and like basically two, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it can be overwhelming to think of all the logistics and things like that, but I think, you know, I sleep well at night. I, I, I rest on God's, the fact that God is building his church, and we're just invited into that, so any logistical things we can do, uh, we'll try to do, you know, be in prayer, uh, be supporting one another, make sure we're healthy, like as a community, as our church. And I think healthy churches plant healthy churches. So I think doing the work of the local church, caring for the flock, um, I think it just kind of ripples out. So. so back up a little bit and talk a little bit about Northern Collective. And it's only, was it only four years old? Yeah. It, um, we, we did our first public gathering four years ago. Uh, we meet in the afternoons on Sunday. Uh, we started at two. Now we meet at three. We currently meet in the Salvation Army building. We've been in five different locations in four years. And uh, our mission is to know, love, and serve Jesus Christ while mm -hmm. teaching all people to do the same. And our vision is to see thriving gospel-centered churches in all Yukon communities by making disciples that make disciples. So we just want to see churches that plant churches in the Yukon. We want to see Yukon saturated with gospel-centered churches that preach the gospel, that that breathe the gospel, that just it's just gospel-saturated. And so um, that's what drives us. And we we've 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 continued to grow. I mean, we're relatively um, young and 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 small, but we're not really concerned about the size we just god god will use anybody and so um yeah that's a good message for uh, uh churches in hard places um i know that i just uh, like a year ago mes mcconnell and uh, matthew spandler davidson were up there visiting with you right before the pandemic kind of broke out um and at, at, you know you as you know that the the the, the struggles of urban places and rural places are, are quite similar when it comes to jobs and social uh, uh, family breakdown and, 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 and such like that um, as, as the Northern Collective. And, and it, it's refreshing to hear you talk about size really doesn't matter because that's, that's one of the pushbacks that we have to um, stand against kind of the lie of the enemy that says, if you're not big and thriving and have multiple staff that somehow you're not doing the will of God, uh, we, we, know, we know the opposite is true, right? Uh, um, in fact, I, I, though Paul is a great missionary model, we want to talk about him in city to city, as you mentioned, Tim Keller, who's like one of my favorite heroes. I listen to his podcast more than anybody's, um, you know, that Jesus didn't go to Alexandria, uh, Egypt or Rome. He went to Galilee and the villages there mattered to him and the people mattered to him. And so, uh, that, that's really refreshing to hear, uh, as you've, as you've, been now four years doing this um are there like 
like surprising lessons you've learned personally in this? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know how to put it, but church planting works. I, I, I remember reading it and like hearing people like, well, let's just start this thing. And I was like, that, like, why would people come to that? It, it just, it, it didn't make any sense, but now living and breathing it, you know, almost literally 24 seven, the fact that it, it works is like, oh, well, maybe, maybe, maybe the New <laughs> Testament had a point, you know? Maybe we should be fulfilling the Great Commission by sending everyone everywhere all the time, planting new churches and why not? And so yeah. it, it, it works. I mean, and not obviously there might be some people listening and, and maybe you have tried to plant a church and it didn't work out. And the, the wonderful thing about the gospel is that we're, our identity is not in the success or failure of anything we do. We've already been accepted by Christ. If we can rest in that identity, but church planting it, it, there's so many, so many benefits, you know, you can read Tim Keller's why plant churches, that PDF, that, 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 that document, those three pages of why, why we plant churches biblically and, and, and just the, the numerical kind of stats that go around it was very, was very compelling. And I think we just need to continue to plant churches as a network um, in New England and Canada and America, just to see God's glory go throughout the yeah. world. Yeah, that's encouraging. I, I uh, showed a stat here not too long ago. I, sh I ran across it that uh, in the United States, there are only 10 incorporated municipalities that have a million or more, but there are like 16,000 and something that have uh, 10,000 or less. And, and there are only 19,000 municipalities or incorporated municipalities in the United States. And it just struck me that I, as, I, as those numbers just stood in front of me, I realized like the places you're talking about, Carcross and, and uh, I can't pr pronounce or remember the names of them, but those places of 300 people that, you know, an hour or three hours from you, Jesus uh, intends for the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to cover the earth as water covers the sea. And that means those places will have a gospel presence in God's people worshiping their creator and their savior and that light will 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 come and so yeah I, I love that church planting works and uh yeah if you were sitting in a room full of other church planters um and it came around to your turn and, and they were asking like um what 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 are your um what are your best practices when it comes to just being a, a you know, a sort of a, a man on point? Um, I'm sure you have elders, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, but what, what would you say would be some of your best practices in your setting? I would say, I remember listening to a, a sermon by Paul Washer and he's talking about these young men who, who come up to him and say like, Oh, you know, brother Paul, I'd love to die with you in the Andes mountains. I'd love to go with you and do the missionary work there. And he'd stop these young men and he'd say, listen, like, is your faith worth exporting? Like, would you want these people to have your Bible reading, your prayer life, your marriage, your anger level, all these things, is that even worth exporting? If not, you got to do some self-examination and just, just rest in the fact that you're accepted you're accepted by God because of what Christ has done and, and lean in on that primarily. I think with church planting, it's easy to get caught up in the needs and in the stats, 
but the mission is just to go and make disciples of all nations. There's no, there's no qualification to where you go. You know, this community is in Whitehurst with maybe less than 20 people. And there's places in the world with millions of people. But we are to go and make disciples. Why? To the glory of God. And I think we need to rest on that need. People need to know the glory of God. Like John Piper in, in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, he's talking about how missions exist where worship doesn't. Your neighbor does not worship God. That barista does not worship God. I think focusing on the Great Commission more than the need, I think might need to happen. We don't want to be caught up in statistics. We want to be caught up in the scriptures. I think that's a good practice. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I think uh, you're, you know, if, if, it, if it takes a church plant for you to finally get on mission, uh, there's something wrong with your, your view of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Like if, if the joy of Christ and what he's done in you isn't, isn't worth talking about and trying to persuade others where you are, then why go to the Andes Mountains or the Yukon like right where you are? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that's great. That's great. Uh, this has been really good. And we've got a few more minutes here, but um, as you have uh, been living out, the, so you grew up in Yukon, go away to, by the way, what were you studying? What was your undergrad when you went away to college? Uh, it was sociology and business. Okay. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's church playing right there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to understand people and, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta like balance things. So, um, so yeah, where was I going with that? This is a problem when you get 57. Sometimes you your mind starts going one way and then you get distracted and you go, what was I talking? What was I thinking about? Um, yeah. So I don't know. I was going somewhere with that. Sorry about that, Harrison. Um, um, yeah. Oh yeah. I know where I was going with that. Like, so as you are now planting a church in your sort of hometown, right. You grew up here. Um, mm -hmm. How, I mean, I, I, and I think that is one of the, I think, I think uh, across the board, in fact, I say this to pastors of big churches, because a lot of big churches have, they have more elder qualified guys than they have seats at the table in that church. And I think one of the, one of the messages that needs to be proclaimed to big churches is maybe Jesus wants you to go home to your home village and plant a church, taking your, your, your career, taking whatever, going back home. Um, how, what does that look like for you having come back home to to white horse where you grew up as a lost guy you know sex drugs and rock and roll and you know went off to college become the god hater and now you come back as the god promoter the god lover the god worshiper um any dynamics around that that would uh that we're talking about <laughs> yeah i think i mean you gotta go where you're called my wife and i were called back to my hometown and i think the dynamics of being born and raised here you just understand the rhythms you, you, you kind of understand what people think and how people think and why they think it for the most yeah. part, you know, you know where the good things to eat are. Like if you grew up, you just kind of, you know that. And then it helps in my friend groups, you know, they kind of knew me as this drinker, party or crazy dude and lit things on fire. And, but some, something's changed in pastoring a church and it's such a small town. We, you know, we got a little sandwich board on the street and I don't know how many times, you know, people ask, Oh, what, what church are you part of? Oh, Northern Collective. And the only reason they know it's because there's this little white billboard on, on, on the street and it just says Northern Collective. And, and with my friends, like I have that relationship so I can just go straight, straight to the point. 
and um, it, it's an asset. It's and it's been great for for our context. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, not, not, I mean, and don't, if, you know, if Jesus is calling you someplace that's not your home, that's fine too. But I do think there's a, I think there's a, a kingdom strategy. If, if that, if, if Jesus is pulling your heart towards your hometown, as small as it is, uh, Tim Kimberly, another X29 guy who was on staff at um, Frontline Church in, in Oklahoma City, a big church, has gone back to Collins, Iowa, now like 700 people. And, right. um, and just because his heart was drawn towards these villages, these small towns in Iowa, that, that uh, the, 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 the light of the gospel have left those, those towns um, a long time ago. Um, and so thank you, brother. Thanks for your faithfulness. Thanks for your willingness to get on here. Uh, can I, can I uh, offer your availability for any guys who might want to follow up with questions? Um, uh, yeah, appreciate that. And uh, and, and, you know, my prayer is that uh, one of these days, uh, well, one prayer we need to pray uh, all the time is the harvest there in the Yukon is great and the workers are few. The Lord of the harvest says pray earnestly and, and to send workers, which is a beautiful, beautiful reminder that uh, he loves to work on our prayers. So uh, we'll be praying that God sends more workers to the harvest there in the Yukon and he's at least these 19 um, communities that you mentioned and that uh, that the glory of, of, of Christ um, fills that place. Any parting words? God is good. He's building his he church. He's awesome. Yeah. 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 Great. And uh, my, my last, my last goal of life, I've got seven, but my last one is die while still in the game. Yeah. Die while still in the game. Thanks Harrison. Thanks yeah. for uh, contributing yeah. to the, the the work of the kingdom, sharing your life, sharing what you've learned, and uh, may God continue to prosper you. Thank you. Yep.